Hi, this is Cardi. Hi, this is Ali. And welcome to another episode of Creative Corporates, a podcast on career conversations for those starting out, switching out, and anything in between. Today, we want to talk about writing. So Cardi and I have just finished our 30-day writing challenge, which was interesting to say the least. I'm really glad. Apparently, we made it to all 30 days. One of us was playing catch up. You can guess who, the one who doesn't like process. <clears throat> but um, it was a really good way to reflect and really go, you know, like, what am I learning when I'm watching something, when I'm observing something? You know, being able to translate that into something that was tangible was really helpful. And I think we both agree. It was a great way to sort of switch off for the day, really take a moment to like pause and reflect. And so we were like, okay, how hard is it to become a writer? So joining us on today's episode is Michael York. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. So Mike is a product manager at Quantium, a leading data science and AI company based in Sydney. He's also a writer on Medium for all things investing, emerging technology and sustainability. Welcome, Mike. Cool. Thanks, guys. That's exciting to be here. Excited to have you on. Absolutely. So I guess the first question I have is, when did you start to become a writer? in of itself and and why have you really chosen to share this as a passion yeah it's a it's a really good question actually and kind of thinking back to why i started doing this in the first place and and how i started doing it um i like to read a lot Mm -hmm. uh and i came across medium maybe three or four years ago i remember reading some really interesting stuff on there and yeah there's such a range of content such a variety of content on there and i kind of thought this is all pretty good why why don't i do this like i've got i've got things to share i've got ideas i've got experiences to to write about and i just gave it a go and actually really enjoyed it as a just as an outlet to you know put your thoughts down on a page and articulate them and articulate it into something interesting and something that kind of makes sense and and published it shared it among some friends and and people you know people like oh this is actually pretty interesting like this is actually quite good like i was quite surprised at, at how well it it went down mm. Um, and so have you, did you study writing? Were you, you know, always a secret writer, you know, bachelor in like English literature? No, no. So I, I actually did a degree in geography, right. um, which yeah, is, is usually a bit of a surprise to people, especially given the career that I've gone down as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, writing is part of a lot of jobs, you know, it's writing at the end of the day is a form of communication and it's, it's just another way of doing that. Yeah. But it's something I've never studied it. I've never really like read into, you know, what, what makes writing good, what makes it engaging. I've just kind of kind of done it. And it's one of these things where definitely the more the more that you do it, there are very, very clear like benefits of getting like better over time in terms of like honing your style, honing the type of content you want to write about and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's one of these things where I just kind of do it and practice it and kind of make it your own. Yeah, super interesting. So at what point did you go, okay, I really want to have a creative outlet outside of your nine to five day job? And then take that further to go, actually, it's something I want to monetize that could be sustainable that I want to do, you know, outside of work if things were to progress really well and you've got a really clear thought process. You know, when did that um, switch start? Yeah, it's, a lot of it is is kind of driven by the why I write and why I used to write and how that's actually evolved over the last few years. Um, and I kind of talked to why it's changed as well. So yeah, the, the first the first article I published was literally just a, can I do this? And let's just see what happens. And it was, I must admit, it was quite like a clickbaity title and like the kind of content was all kind of like self-helpy, which I'm I'm not very good at, but that was just a, let, let's give this a go. And then I started to write more about tech because um, at the time I was doing a lot of 
tech consulting and kind of realized that a lot of value that I added at work was knowing stuff about technology that other people didn't know. And then not just knowing it, but then being able to communicate it verbally. Mm. So I was like, actually, maybe I can write some of this stuff down, some of these ideas down. And that was purely a way to kind of credentialize myself beyond my CV or something to add, like another kind of string to the bow on the CV. Um, so that people could read these articles and think, actually, this this guy does know a little bit about this kind of stuff. And then I started writing about more like personal finance stuff. So I've, I've always been into investing. I've gone into investing when I was about 17. But yeah, I just wrote some ideas down and that got, you know, the engagement with that was really, really strong. Um, and I think it's something that I've kind of taken for granted. Like yeah, just like financial literacy Ex- in general and like accessible. Exactly. Massive, yeah. like massive, massive problem um, with financial literacy and, and just purely through like trying things when I was younger and kind of making mistakes when it comes to investing and personal money management. I've learned a lot from that and I had a lot to share that was relatable um, from someone who's actually gone through it. So I started writing about that. And again, I found, found it very easy to write because it was very, you know, just very genuine and kind of like, this is my experience and this is what I did and this is what happened. And then I worked out how to connect my bank account to Medium. <laughs> and then it started to make money. And suddenly it really changed. Um, the writing then suddenly became like, actually, this could work. Like this could be something that I can turn into a career or like a hobby that I can actually build a lifestyle off the back of. That was a real kind of step change when I kind of worked out how to do that. And it was annoyingly simple, annoying in, in a way that I wish I'd have just done it a lot sooner. Yeah. Um, but since then it's it's kind of gone from and and also, you know, I've changed jobs in the last kind of year or so. So I don't feel like there's as much of a need to now credentialize myself um through writing from a career point of view. So I can now kind of focus that writing into other content, which yeah, I'm interested in and, and feel like I've got something to say about. And it is starting to make money, which is a bit of a surprise. Yeah, that's awesome. So what I'm hearing is, you know, initially your reason for starting to have a creative outlet through writing was actually just to build your personal brand for your day job. And that's actually, funnily enough, a common theme that we've seen with some other creatives that we've spoken about, how they're trying to use creative outlets to say, this is a little bit more about me. This is how to stand out from the crowd, but also to show that you are, you know, you legitimately have a better understanding of the world. Yeah. And I think you know, Mike and I used to work together and I definitely remember we were connected through Mutual when I wanted to know more about blockchain. And I remember like with everyone who I meet, I'm definitely good at my research. And I remember reading one of your articles quite early on and I was like, okay, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. He actually has the ability to also synthesize that information. So even for someone within your industry and within your job, who wanted to connect with you was able to see really quickly before like you'd even said anything, they were able to have like a really solid impression of the kind of person you were and what you knew about. Have you found like that was, you know, quite common in terms of when you were speaking to people as well? Yeah, for sure. And it kind of points to where I used to publish when I was first writing about mainly tech stuff. I used to write on LinkedIn a lot. Mm. Um, And obviously that kind of goes hand in hand with, with your job, you know, like, X role at this company and you could kind of publish these kind of thought leadership pieces, which, which work, work actually really encouraged it because it was good for them. It, you know, it looked good on the company, it looked good on the team. But then one of the reasons I actually started moving away from, from LinkedIn was because of that, mm. uh, like being tied to work. And then, you know, a couple of people spoke to me and they were like, look, it's, it's great. You're doing this, but actually you need to run this by 
brand before you publish. And yeah. suddenly it was like, hang on a sec, I'm not writing this for you. I'm writing this for me. So that was, that was kind of a move away where actually I, I didn't just want to be another kind of voice of like the corporate message. Like I wanted to credentialize myself. I'm not credentializing the company. Yeah. Um, so that's when I started moving towards Medium and, and kind of exactly to your point, Ali, it, it kind of gave me a way to voice some of my opinions and experiences in a way that work weren't going to clamp down on it. And so people could read that and think, actually, this is what Mike thinks. This isn't what like the company thinks and Mike mm. is just parroting the message. Mm. Um, and that is a, that was a massive part of the credibility side of things. Actually, it's, it's like I actually have my own opinions and experiences beyond what the company wants me to say. And I think that's so important to have an identity outside of work. You know, that's why a creative outlet is so important because it's not tied to what you're doing nine to five all the time. Ultimately, your job is there to, you know, for you to ensure that you're delivering on the outcomes that they're expecting, but you're not expected to do anything far-fetched and beyond um, because that's outside of your job description and it's not serving, you're right, the company because necessi- they're not necessarily, you know, giving you the allowance to do that, but ultimately you're doing it for you. 100%. And so being able to find a platform um, that's so accessible to everyone sounds really, really interesting. Like, you know, what you've done on Medium is something that anyone could do. Yeah, because I think everyone's got something to share, right? And I think the difference is, you know, maybe you start with what you're known for in your paid work because you obviously have a need to learn that information anyway. And so it's a great way for yourself to kind of go like, what do I actually know? And then move into, then what do I actually care about? And I think those two things, it's it's a start of a broader journey of people as they kind of move from, you know, being a professional and and being known as part of that corporate identity to like, who do I want to be known for more broadly, which is fantastic. So then in terms of, I guess, the process in, you know, how much you write and how often you write, does every piece of work get published? Hmm. Uh, No, is the short answer to that. Just a a really quick one though on that point around, around what you know and, and things like that. I think I've, I've found people in the past who have been reluctant to start something like this because they don't feel like they know enough. They don't feel like they're an expert. And, you know, it's like, why, why does my opinion matter when there's all these other people who know more than me? That's, that's not true. Like you, you're an expert in your own experience. No one else can be just like by definition. Um, and everyone's had unique experiences and unique journeys to get to where they're at. And those different combinations of experiences can be really powerful and very, like very, very unique. But yeah, it's the question, does does everything that I write get published? Absolutely not. There's been a few things where I've come up with the idea maybe with the wrong intentions or I've started trying to write not in the right frame of mind. Stuff's been coming out. I've been like writing it and, I'll, and then I'll read it back and I'm just like, this is, there's no message here. This is me just having a rant about something. This isn't interesting. There's no value in this. And so it, it gets thrown in the proverbial bin. But I think that, that definitely used to happen more in the past. Whereas now I've kind of like honed in like the topics that I'm interested in and that I know that I like to write about. And so there's kind of less of that. But I think that there's been times where I've tried to, um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll probably get into kind of how, how you can monetize through something like medium. Like I've tried to write something that I think is going to be kind of like clickbaity and people are going to engage with and, and click on and read because it's something that's like a hot topic or something like that. And I've started doing it. I'm just like, this. no, this isn't me writing. This is me trying to write 
as something else. Yeah. Um, and you're, not, you're not BuzzFeed or no, Elite not Daily. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And it's, and it's gone. Yeah. Interesting. So what I'm hearing is, you know, as a creative, you've managed to get content out there, but then the flip side of that is to what extent would you say then you've had to move past the concept of perfectionism? I mean, we've definitely encountered that and I think every creative does. Yeah. At what stage do you go, I've written an article and it's good enough, you've got to let go of it and then move on to the next one. How do you go about that? Yeah, it's a really interesting question um, and something I've, I can't say I've really thought of. I'll write something and then, you know, I'll read it back a few times and I'll typically publish quite quickly. Like I won't I won't write something and sit on it for a week and go back and, and reread it and be like, oh, this needs to change here, this needs to change here. It's like I've written something, it's articulate, the opinion is genuine, get it out. It, there's definitely, yeah, that, that kind of alluded to it before, that kind of evolution of style over time. I go back and read some of the stuff that I wrote three or four years ago and I'm like, this is shocking. This is really awful. Um, it's like, you know, if, if you go back and read your your thesis from uni and it's like reading a children's book, it's it's so... It, but it's point in time, right? That's exa- exactly that. Like yeah. at the time, that is the best word that I could do. And just as you grow and learn and become like better at what you're doing, you kind of hone your craft, like that kind of idea of perfectionism changes um so it's it's kind of like what you're happy with at the time get it out you'll learn something from doing that and then you can take that into your next article it's, it's got to be iterative like if, otherwise you'll just be sitting on unpublished stuff for so long um when there's actually value in what you've got to say so do you have a deadline <laughs> no i'm hopeless i'm hopeless with um team self, no deadlines self-imposed <laughs> deadlines i've tried it and i remember there was like this one week where i had like all this stuff that i wanted to achieve and I put dates against each thing and I like stuck it on my monitor so I like couldn't avoid it. And then I just let one of them lapse and I'm like, oh, no one's hold, held me to account. So I'm just going to throw this in the bin um, and yeah, and, and not do it. Um, but that's not to say that I'm not disciplined. There is huge value in discipline. Um, so I, I set aside time each week to write. And if people you know, want to do something during that time. Like I'm busy, like that's even though I'm busy on my own, like that time is set aside for writing. And so typically like I'll write something and I'll always go beyond that a lot of time because if, when you get into a good flow, you want to kind of keep it. I don't hold myself, hold myself to deadlines because I just know that it won't work. Yeah. And I think there's so much to unpack there. And I think we can talk about the writing process in a little bit. I think on that notion of perfection though, what I'm hearing is it's actually saying you know, just putting yourself out there and making it quicker. So then you're not actually resting on, could it be better? Could I have edited it? And it's almost better that it's there. I know for our creative endeavors, we've spoken about this, a lot that's recorded that doesn't, that doesn't make it. And I think though, there's still value in the process because each time you do it, you're going to get better. And, you know, you need to have good work. You need to have average work so that you can actually compare, you know, where am I sitting? How am I progressing? Um, so that's really helpful. So maybe let's dive in a little bit more about what we were saying about the writing process because I think mm-hmm. it's really different for different people. I think when we reflect on our journey and our 30-day writing challenge as well, there was definitely things where it was like, how do you not make this a chore um, where you are being held? And, you know, for us, I think what really works, Cardi, is like having the challenge where you have other people who are also writing. So if you Mm. don't do it, there's that social pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've got to find things that work for you. Some people might be deadlines. Some people like myself, it's like if I'm going to show up and like not be able to say I've actually done something, then that is like that social pressure that really works for me. 
Um, so you touched a little bit on it, Mike. So in terms of making making time for your writing, is that something that's regular? You know, how do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing as well, I think, with any kind of creative outlet, especially if you're looking to monetize it, you have to actually enjoy it. Mm. That's like the foundation. Like when you're doing it in your spare time, you have to enjoy it. Like a begr- um, like a begrudging piece of work is probably not also. Is it going to be received as like oh, this guy was yeah. like a chore? Yeah, and when yeah. when I've when I've felt like it is a chore, and I've written that, those are the ones that don't make it because, for, like, firstly, sometimes I don't even finish them because I'm like, this is just not going well. And secondly, I'll read it back and be like, this doesn't read well because I didn't enjoy doing this. So that's like the case with anything. I've I've tried other other like side pursuits, um, coding being one of them. I've tried on about six different occasions, mm-hmm. and I just don't enjoy it. Um, and the the feels you know, this kind of like push towards tech. There's almost like a social pressure to learn how to code. But it's not for everyone. And it'll be the same with writing. Like writing's not for everyone. So I think the first thing is to try and find that thing that you do enjoy doing. Yeah. And then build building the kind of discipline around it. So yeah, so two hours every Saturday morning. The reason I kind of choose Saturday morning is because it's outside of that work time. Like it's really, really tough. Or I found it really tough doing a full day at work, especially, you know, in front of a computer screen. So I, I write on my laptop. Um then you know, taking a bit of a break away from that, but then coming back to a screen. And sometimes you just don't want to do that. Um, and again, like then it takes away from the enjoyment, then it becomes a chore. And that's the last thing you want to do with, with the creative hobby. So it's yeah, two hours on Saturday morning and I'll just go and pitch up somewhere in a cafe. I've got a list of, um, a list of ideas. So I'll, you know, I'll be thinking about topics to write about all the time. And I've just got a little like Google docs on my phone. Um, so every time I come up with an idea, I'll just chuck it in Google docs and then I can come back to it. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I'll sit down, in a cafe on Saturday morning, not have a clue what I'm going to write about, read that list, pick the topic, which at the time I feel I'm like engaged with or feeling I'll be like, right, I'm just going to go for it um, and, and go from there. Yeah. And what I like about that is it's basically saying it's not necessarily when the idea comes to you, you stop everything and you're like, okay, now I'm going to write into it. I think our editor Felix as well was talking about this on an earlier podcast in terms of saying, like, don't try to write the story when you're in it. Otherwise you're just going to force it put it in the space where you're actually giving yourself that creative time and then work on it. And then also that why that's helpful then is if you get to that space and you go, like, oh, I don't really remember what I was meant to write about. You've got something that can reignite that passion. We talk a lot about, or I think it's spoken about a lot within like the personal development community, a lot of creative communities around this idea of flow, this mystical state of flow in terms of how do you know that you're in it is it because you're setting aside that time? How do you feel like that you make that work for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's actually a definition about this flow thing where it's where you you lose track of time. You kind of lose mm. the concept of time. Um, and I guess that's when when I notice that I look at my watch and be like, whoa, it's it's then. Um, usually it's the kind of paired with a bit of guilt that I've been sat in a cafe for two hours and bought one coffee. Um, I definitely had that. Yeah, but it's, it, it is that. Um and then it's also, yeah, let's say it's two hours and it's like, if I'm at two hours 15 or two hours 30 and I'm two thirds away through the article and it's then actually making that decision, like I want to continue this. And that, that is, it's like, cause uh, this isn't hard work. Like I'm really enjoying this. I'm really enjoying kind of being in this like headspace where I'm just focused on one single thing. Yeah. I'd say that's, that's kind of how I recognize. I don't know if you guys like resonate with that. Cause it's a, it's such a, I mean, you could say like a fluffy concept, but it, it is a I th- thing. It's definitely a thing. And I think, you know, Cardi, I'm really interested to hear about as well from your experience, particularly when, when you're creating music as well. 
for me, I definitely feel like I need that flow state for things. Like I have quite like a creative on and off switch. And I feel like the way I tune into that is basically saying, you know, it's very much about the space that I'm in. And so I feel like for a quiet space, it's almost like as I almost need like the hum of a busy space where no one's really listening and there's and like silence can be deafening. So I find like the cafes work or even whacking on like a lo-fi podcast, something that's like a hum in the background so that you can kind of sift out that initial hesitancy and then, yeah, like bang, like we'll have, we'll, we'll, Cardi and I record like six hours worth of podcasts on a Sunday. And we're like, wow, like I barely feel like we've scratched the surface because you've just enjoyed that time the whole way. So it definitely resonates. I think it's not as elusive as people think, but it is super individual. So what might be flow for some person might be different for another. Well, I think it comes down to what aspect of being creative you're doing. Like, you know, if you're trying to come up with, say, new content, right, new ideas, something that's never necessarily been done before, then you've absolutely got to be in the right environment. And so you've got to work out, you know, how do I, like, what are activities that I need to do or what's the space that I need to be in that gives me, you know, the biggest energy boost um, to get you in the mood. But on the flip side, if you're doing, you know, I guess you could argue like admin-oriented creative work. So that could be, you know, from my perspective, the practicing um, in preparation um, for producing content. That on the flip side, I would say, you know, I'm actually more disciplined at doing the practice. It's not about so much my mood because I'm sort of like, oh, you know, I will do X, Y, and Z just, you know, 15 minutes every day, 30 minutes just to be consistent. But, you know, it comes down to what aspect of being creative um, and the type of environment and discipline you need to, to be able to achieve it. Amazing. I think this is a good time for a quick break, maybe get some creative flow back in. So we'll be right back. Hi, you're back here with Cardi. And Ali, and we're joined in the studio with Michael York, a writer who is telling us about how you can really focus on sharing what you know into a platform that can give you a viable source of income. So I think we've spoken a lot about the why you write, how you can write, achieving that flow state, the benefit that has in terms of building a personal brand, if it's at work but also being able to really synthesize what you're learning and, and as a young person, like how you're experiencing the world, that's a, in a really positive space. But, you know, we're all here. We love a good creative outlet, but at the end of the day, living in Sydney is expensive. And so how do you actually make it a, a commercially viable pursuit? So what I'd really like to talk about now is if people are listening and going, yeah, like I know something about something, you know, maybe I'll brush up on, you know, the last time I wrote, poem or last time I read an article was definitely when I was getting marked, but, you know, it might be worth picking up again. You know, I'm going to take some break over the summer. Maybe I'll reflect on that. So I really want to go through a little bit of a process around how do you actually monetize? And so the first thing we touched on before that I want to unpack a little bit that I don't think a lot of people know is different platforms are designed for different things. And so when you're a creative it's not just about the idea generation. It's actually saying, where are those ideas best placed to give me that return on that time? And so in terms of that, Mike, you said there was a real difference in terms of LinkedIn compared to this platform Medium, which I'm really keen for us to kind of do a base level understand before we jump in. 
Yeah, so I, I don't want to. I don't want to come across as a medium salesman. Um, <laughs> that's that's why I'm not. This is just the platform that we're I've, not sponsored. We're not we're, sponsored. Yeah, yet. No, no, <laughs> um, this is the platform that I've chosen and the one that I'm most familiar with, so I can talk to it. But I'm, I'm sure there's similar things that that exist. Yeah, and LinkedIn LinkedIn doesn't provide that monetization side of things, as well as kind of being tied semi somewhat to your corporate your brand. company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Medium gives you a chance to be like, actually, this is more me as a person talking as opposed to me from company x talking Um, on that note though would you say that having started on linkedin because it was easy to just work out if you were even interested in writing was valuable in and of itself and it's when you got to a point where people were acknowledging that you actually you know had some skill in writing you would then shifted your mindset and went actually maybe i do want writing to be something that could be an income stream how can I take that away and create a personal brand and that's when you jumped onto medium rather than focusing so much on how do I monetize something that's creative and you know not first focusing on whether it's a passion because I know that sometimes you know when you start like I said with the budget or the finance first rather than focusing on how do I get content and the idea out nothing ends up happening Mm, yeah absolutely so I think if it's that point where you've kind of looked and I reflect, you know, if I'm going to write about love and relationships, I don't think LinkedIn is, is the forum I'm going to put it on. Right. So, so the benefit of medium, for example, is it's, it's a unique platform for the purpose of writing. Mm, yeah. I think you kind of like hit the nail on the head as well, Cardi. Um, like I, I started doing it. I mean, I've touched on, you know, to credentialize myself and cause I, I enjoyed it and LinkedIn seemed like a good outlet for the stuff I was writing about. You know, I was writing about technology and, and having that to link to on my profile is where that some of that credential like credentialization comes from and people engage with it you know your connections all like give it a little thumbs up and comments and this is all great which writing just like a lot of other things when you're posting online like there is that element of like validation and like self-worth from people responding to it and like Mm. I'd, i'd be lying if i said the you know, that isn't a bit of a driver as well. Like when you see all of your reader stats like ticking up and you get new followers, like it does feel good. Like you get that kind of dopamine hit, which is another, I guess, another like incentive to keep doing it. So yeah, LinkedIn was definitely a good starting point for that. Um, But yeah, I kind of moved away, like I said before, so I could be more talking from like my own point of view. And then I almost like stumbled upon the monetization side of Medium, like almost by accident. You know, I was just kind of like clicking around there. They have something called the Medium Partner Program. And it was like, oh, if you, you know, connect your bank account, blah, 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 you can, you know, actually be paid, um, paid to write because, you know, Medium, Medium's a platform. They don't, they don't produce any content themselves. All they do is they provide a platform for people to write and for people to read that, that content. And people pay to subscribe to have unlimited access to this content. And so it's, it's within Medium's interest to get people to write content because that's what gets people coming back and, and paying. So that's kind of how that whole business model works. Um, and yeah, I realized that actually as a content creator, I can earn money here, which yeah, like I said, was a bit of a surprise and it sort of like changed a bit of the direction. I was like, hang on a sec. So what this means is I can do something that I enjoy and I was doing anyway, and I can now get paid for it. I'm like, this is, this is good. Like this is a good place to be. So when you're starting at that point and you've obviously made that shift and going, okay, so it's something that I can monetize. Then the next question is, I guess, to what extent, you know, can you monetize that for then, I guess that to take over your day job, if that's something that you were interested in. So I'd love to hear, you know, how a month unfolds so that, you know, if that's something that you're committing to say, you know, once a week, 
if you were able to like 7x that, where would that leave you? Mm, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and kind of like ahead of that month, there's, there's a few things that you sort of need in place to actually start doing this. And again, talking from a medium point of view, not as a medium salesman, but just because it's what I'm familiar with. So firstly, you need, you need a medium account, obviously, um, to be able to write. Anyone can do that. Anyone can set that up. Secondly, you need a bank account. Otherwise, how are you going to get paid? And then the way that Medium pays you is through Stripe. So you need to set up a Stripe account. And then it's very easy to just link your Stripe account to your bank account and to your Medium account. So that's you've now got that like monetization channel like that's done. The next thing, as I kind of said before, is I've just got a Google Doc where I chuck ideas down. So I'll, I'll be coming up with ideas like at any time. And sometimes, you know, it's like when you wake up at 4 a.m. and your brain is like, you know, you can't get back to sleep. And you have this idea, it's like, oh, actually, that could be a good article. I'll chuck it down. Or you'll be having a really interesting conversation with someone and they'll be like, oh, you should write about that. And it's like, and then that just kind of goes in. It's on my phone so I can just read into my pocket, put it down and then park it, forget about it, come back to it. Awesome. So th- those are the kind of like foundational things you need in place. And then, yeah, so that coming back to like a month, like what does that look like? So Saturday mornings, two hours, um, either I'll know what I want to be writing um, when I kind of go to that allotted time. Or as I said before, sometimes I have no idea what I'm going to write about and I'll just pick something from the list of ideas. And then it's a case of just doing it. And, you know, sometimes I'll put down a structure. It's like, what what point am I actually trying to get across? Like, what value am I delivering through this article? Oh, I love that. Because people like people on Medium engage with stuff because they want to learn something. They want to get something from the article. Like, they want value. Yeah, um, so it's that like, like reader-centered approach as well to being like, if I was wanting to read, about this topic why would this article add value exactly to that space exactly it's like and what what is that kind of key point or points that you're trying to get across and Mm -hmm. then you know particularly from like a personal finance point of view there's sometimes concepts as part of that like overall value message that might not be obvious to people so then it's like okay so now in from a point of like structuring the article like what do i need to teach the reader but what do i need to almost like hold their hand through to then be able to deliver this concept at the end. And there's then there's kind of like two things as part of that. One of them is, is teaching them enough that they can then kind of take on whatever that piece of value is, but doing it in a way that is concise and engaging that you don't lose them. Yeah, um, because it's so not many, like textbooky. Exactly, because like so many people will start to read something and if they get halfway through and, and they're not getting anything from it, you know, attention spans are short, they'll click on something else. It's like, you've got, it's, there's a real kind of fine balance of, yeah, going like way too into the details um, on stuff that they need to know to get to that point of value, but also, yeah, not doing it in a way that loses people, but getting the information across. So can you give me an example of something you've done recently, just just for our listeners to go, okay, tangibly, I'm looking at my Google Doc, blank canvas. Mm. How would I implement that structure? Yeah, so the last, the last article I wrote last weekend um, was about inflation, interest rates, and investing. Like what inflation does to your money over time how interest rates work in like a savings account and then how investing can kind of beat inflation and like what you need to know to make sure that inflation doesn't erode the value of your money over time. And so that whole article started with actually explaining like what are those, what even are those three things? Like how do you explain inflation to somebody in three sentences and Mm -hmm. likewise interest rates and likewise investing? And then how do you kind of bring those three concepts together and then paint an actually like really practical picture of this is what happens. And so with that one, I took the inflation rates like the CPI from the US for the last five years. I took a interest rate from a bank, I can't remember which bank it was, Chase, Chase Bank, like savings interest rate. And then I took an S&P 500 index tracker, investing returns over five years. 
and literally put it in a table and said, if you start with $10,000, this is what inflation is going to do to that $10,000 over time. This is what this return is going to do to that. And so, yeah, it's taking those concepts and then like, this is what will happen. And then the value is then actually, I need to be aware of this. That's kind of what the kind of takeaway point was from that article. And why I think that's important in terms of when I think of the value of that, if I'm someone who is interested, but maybe didn't do a finance degree, but I'm looking at my bank account and I'm going and I'm listening to the news. So I'm hearing this, but I don't know what the hell it means. And I don't know what this practically means for me as a 20 something year old um, in terms of that. And then I think the difference is the practical actions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I feel like articles and medium good articles in general, I don't want to just read about the person's rant or the person's like perspective. That's what Facebook is for. I want to listen to like, okay, you're teaching me that there's a problem, but you're also giving me that solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like the, the articles where I've definitely had the most engagement is where there is a quite a clear, you can now take this knowledge and do something with it element to it. Yeah. So that, that would be the kind of the approach to like an individual article. Um, and then I would look to publish that when I've written it, like, you know, write it, give it a few minutes, give it a reread, make sure there's no drastic spelling errors. Um, I will hold my hands up and say, I use Grammarly. I was really against it. And then I got it and I was like, this actually really helps just in terms of like punctuation and stuff like that. Um, it's kind of sped that whole process up and also just provides more like consistency across writing in terms of like, yeah, how things like how punctuation is used and, and then I'll publish it and then I'll leave it. And I'll sort of be checking my stats through the week. I'm not going to lie. I'd be like, oh, is this one landed? Is this one not? Um, do you do any promotion? Nah. Okay. So you really rely on the community that you've built. Exactly. Yep. And Medium's really good as well in that it has publications kind of within Medium mm-hmm. um, where somebody will just like collect articles on a similar theme and, and publish that. And those these publications have got their own sets of followers. I've been added as a writer to a few different publications which focus on different themes. And so if I'm... If I'm writing an article, I'll typically then push it to that publication because it gets more exposure. Yeah. Um, so you're using that network effect. Exactly. To be like, so for example, I'm someone who reads a lot of Medium and I will specifically how the system is set up is I'm, I, as, when I first log in, it asks like, what, what do I want to learn more about? So I might then go, well, I want to learn about personal development. I want to learn about leadership. I want to learn about investing. And so in one of those platforms, then they'll recommend me a publication. And so from you being tied to that publication means that me as a as a viewer, as a reader, I'm more likely to be actually be better connected to you, even though we aren't connected. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important people understand then why choosing the platform is so integral and understanding how that actually works to make the best use of your time, particularly if you're not someone who is going to self-promote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And there's there's a few other things as well, which I've learned just through experience of doing this over time of of what people engage with. Like when you're scrolling Medium, there's, there's basically three things that you can hook people on. Like the first is the headline. So your headline has to be, you've got to catch people in literally a few words, otherwise people aren't going to click on your article. Um, and there's headline analyzers where you know, I've learned that people typically read the first three words and the last three words of a headline. Anything else in the middle is wasted. But you've obviously got to have something. You've got to have a headline that conveys enough information. So you can't just have like six words of, of nothingness. People also engage with unique headlines. So if you've got words in there that are 
not that familiar, then people tend to, that catches people's eyes a little bit. There's literally analyzes where you can type in a headline. It will give you a score out of 100 on how engaging that headline is. And so sometimes I'll be playing with five or six different headlines and try and find the one with the biggest score, the highest score, sorry. And, and is that within the with platform that. or is that's, that? That's a separate thing. Okay, we'll make sure we include that find in, the, link to in that. the show notes um, as well because that's helpful in terms of converting what I want to say into something that's mm, actually catchy. Um, interestingly, I think my two best articles, I haven't used that. But then the headline for that has been quite pointed. So, so that a grain that's, of salt is what I'm hearing. Like use it, but it could also like trust yourself as an individual. Ex- exactly. Yeah. that like organic. Yeah. Use it as like advice as opposed to the gospel. Okay, um, right. So that's so like management consultants. Advice <laughs> for not implementing. <laughs> so that's the first hook. The second hook is the reading time. Articles around like five to seven minutes typically get the most engagement because that kind of says to someone, this is going into enough detail that there's going to be something interesting in here, but it's not so long that I'm going to lose half my day reading it. Um, if you see like a one, two or three minute thing, it's like, okay, there's, there isn't going to be much here. If there's something 11 minutes, it's like, do I actually have 11 minutes to sit and read this? Probably not. So that's something, um, and medium calculate that based on your word count. And so I think it's roughly 200 words per minute. So if you're writing, you want to be capping at around 1,200, 1,400 words max. It's like a uni essay. Um, mm. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty short and that's, and it's, it's definitely doable in a couple of hours as well. Yeah, so that's the interesting part. You're smashing 1,200 words out that is has practical <laughs> analogies into hours. But I think it's like it's like 1,200 words actually when you think about like you've probably texted that much when you're really ranting on something, right? And I think it's actually when you're sharing something that you know it's different from example, like referencing a whole bunch of different sources and like forming an argument for the sake of like getting a mark, mm. right? This is something you've obviously, as you've experienced, you're learning about, and you're then just getting the relevant points you need to get that person in check. Exactly. So it's, yeah, when, when you're writing something, yeah, that you do know about it, it's surprisingly easy to get that on a page. But the, the last thing that you can hook people on is the image. Um, so every, every Medium article has like a headline image to it. And I used to just use like generic pictures from Unsplash, like Medium links directly to Unsplash and you can just type in a word and you can get a nice photo that will look good on your article. But that's not that engaging, especially when you're writing about like finance stuff that is practical. Um, so I've started now, and this, again, this has just come over time. This is, there's not like a formula for this. It's like, everyone's going to have their own unique way of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but from your experience? Yeah, from my experience, like having that unique, almost like consistent imagery as well is really powerful um so i've started using there's a tool called like Draw, which we use at work for wireframing um you can actually use some like quite fun like little charts and it's got a kind of like sketchy feel to it um so i've started kind of using that and it yeah so when you, you know you look at like articles on my page and i'll have like similar style images to it um which yeah it does create more of that consistency but yeah all, all these things have, have kind of honed over time like i've not deliberately set out to develop a style for imagery but it's just kind of happened but again it's like to that point on perfectionism you can't like try and make things perfect like you just got to try things um keep trying things and eventually you'll find stuff that lands um, and then you can kind of roll with that yeah so what i hear is really you know this evolution of writing for you that you know if i was to summarize it's very much started you know on linkedin going you know what's my passion Let's get a feel for it and validate the concept by people engaging with the work that you've done. You've then gone, okay, I've kind of on the right, you know, track here. Let's 
make this my personal brand and jump on to monetizing it and you've used the platform medium to do that and you've gotten yourself into a flow that you've now been able to be able to pick out, I guess you could say some, you know, principles on, you know, what it is that works best to get your content readily, you know, shared or read by your community, which, you know, is a combination of using, you know, different catchy, you know, titles, headlines, having, you know, a practical layout of just introducing, you know, three-liner definitions, how it's relevant, and then, you know, consistency with your imagery to then be able to take that and go, okay, well, let's monetize that through the platform. And so obviously I'm hearing, you know, what's awesome is you you allocate and maybe it's something that you even get excited about for your Saturday mornings. You've got like, oh, I've got to smash out, you know, the five-day work week. Um, But in that time, you've got so much flexibility to, you know, have time to build, you know, content ideas and sit with them and you might be talking to colleagues so that by Saturday morning you're like I'm ready to go it sounds like 4am to you um which is awesome I'm not in that camp but would like to be and then you're able what two hours later so 6am for all we know and you're ready to publish straight away because you're you've gotten rid of that perfectionist aspect and then you're monetizing that so how have you, my, I guess really my last question is then, so what, how much are you actually making approximately off one article so that, you know, if someone wanted to monetize that, you know, is that actually an income stream that's sustainable? And, you know, do you think it's something that you could do more than once a week? Yeah. So on, on kind of how much it makes, it's very much directly linked to the engagement and success of that article. But the better ones, you'll be making a few hundred dollars on that, which which is great. You know, at, at the moment, it's not enough to allow me to quit my day job. That is kind of where I'd like to get it to eventually. There's something as well that could transition really nicely to, you know, go down to like four days a week at work and have a full day to write and then, you know, a gradual transition with it. Yeah, so it's great from that point of view and, and it's all kind of like extra income, which I can use to invest in other things. I think something that's really interesting I guess this is around a lot of like digital content that you create. Like you put in, you put in the effort at the time to create that content, you publish it and that thing then just makes money. And the stuff that I've written two years ago that still makes money and I don't have to touch it. And so what I'm kind of doing on medium is literally building up a bank of assets that are generating passive income. And the more you do it, the more frequently you publish, the more followers you get, more people subscribe, and then that drives more engagement, which then drives more followers. And it's kind of like this, there's a really, really obvious link to like frequency of publishing. Obviously quality matters, but then how much engagement you're getting and therefore how much revenue you're driving off it. So this is something like I would like to do more of. And I think I'll probably take that two hours on a Saturday and either put another two hours somewhere else during the week or extend that time. So I'm actually pushing out more content. But yeah, and, and over time, yeah, like I said, it's it's literally a bank of assets that are just making money. Um, and so I would like to get to a point where I'll have published a few hundred things. Um, and even if each thing is making $5 a month or $10 a month, just by the sheer volume of content, that starts to be viable um, as a as like a lifestyle. Yeah, that's so awesome. And so do you think it's then something that you can change um, you know, I mean, I think what I'm trying to get at is, you know, you started at one article a week, you have an interest in increasing that potentially 
do you think that's relied so much on, for example, building a following and that's really where you've gotten your revenue stream or is it by people just clicking specifically on the article that are medium subscribers? Yeah, I I think it's more of the latter. My following is growing, but if you look at the number of followers I've got versus the amount of engagement I'll get on an article, way, way, way more people read it than I've got followers. I mean, obviously, like, you know, let's say of every 50 people that read it, you get a new follower. That's that's great because then over time you build up that base of reliable readers that will give you that first bit of engagement that might be the thing that then kicks you onto the homepage of Medium or it puts you on their, their email, their daily email of recommended articles. And it's things like that, which is then when you start to just drive more and more and more engagement. So it kind of, it self-perpetuates. But something Medium did recently, which was quite interesting, um, is they've changed how the partner program works. So you used to be, like anyone could join the partner program and you'd connect your bank account. Um, and then they changed it. So you now have to have 100 followers to start to start like monetizing it, um, which is, is definitely worth like worth saying. So, you know, it leans on, you know, if you're starting from scratch, it leans on you having to write consistently and write good quality to build that following in the first place. And then once you kind of tick over that 100 mark, then it's like, right, now the cash is going to start actually flowing. That's a super important point. And that, they only brought that in about two or three months ago. And they've also brought something else new in which is interesting. Um, so it's about $5 a month, I think, to subscribe. If you refer a subscriber, you get half of their subscription fee every single month. Um, and so I actually had my first person recently who signed up to subscribe to Medium via my referral page. I have no idea who this person is. I don't know where they are in the world, but they they signed up. And so now every month I get half of that fee. Um, so, you know, obviously if, if you start to build your these communities yourself and you start to get people subscribing to Medium, through you that it starts to get quite lucrative quite quickly. Well, I think particularly in the, you know, the current digital age, everyone's learning that affiliate marketing is this huge booming industry, you know, particularly with influencers, you know, it is actually a job and that's why people are making a living off it. And it's just about the sheer breadth and the leverage that you can use to do that. That's what's awesome about being online. Yeah. And I think touching on influencers, if you're gonna, if you're someone who then is also interested in, you know, capitalizing on this digital era and these different platforms, but you're not someone who is, and I'm going to say this in a very politically correct way, like not willing to put yourself out there as an individual, but you want to put your ideas out there, then I think that's why this conversation around writing and the power of a platform like Medium is important because you can actually do that in a way that's similar. For example, for someone who is on Instagram, sharing their clothes, sharing their trends, sharing their skincare routine in the same way that you are sharing your ideas on investing, you know, sustainability, personal development. And so it's not, it then broadens that definition of what does it mean to be someone who gets an income online, which I think is really important. So Mike, one question that we ask all of our followers um, and all of our listeners and in particular those who join us on the podcast is that season two is all about the great resignation. And so we're seeing this trend around people changing their jobs, transitioning out or even quitting their jobs. But we think it's so much more than that. We think it's also about resigning from a mindset, an experience or a connection that is no longer serving you. So we really want to ask you in terms of what would be the thing you wish you resigned from earlier 
that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, and my one's pretty broad, but resigning from the idea that there's only a certain like uh, amount of jobs or types of jobs that you know are good careers or successful careers however you even want to define that um you know i kind of came came from a background of being at uni where everyone kind of naturally fell into jobs as like accountants or lawyers or consulting or corporate finance or, or whatever it is and, and that was considered like a good thing like a creative a creative job or creative uh, kind of outlet that you can make money from was really unique a few people that went into acting have a huge amount of respect for and yeah it's kind of resigning from the idea that you you can only like be successful again how do you define that in one of these other jobs I, I don't think that's true at all and i think it's it's looking at like what do you actually want to get out of a job like is it a title is it a salary like there's so much more than that like i really value working with interesting people i value flexibility being able to travel and actually, some of those jobs don't allow you to do that. And so it's then kind of finding like, what is it that I find interesting that will allow me to do that? Um, you know, chasing a salary isn't, I don't know, it's not necessarily the thing that you should be doing. It's like chase enough money to allow you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. And then if you can make that money doing something that you love, then that's obviously great. Pretty generic, but I'd say that's probably, yeah, what I would want to resign from. Or I wish I had resigned from that sooner. Amazing. I think... You know, sometimes it takes a couple of times for people to hear the same message. But I think what's really unique is is understanding that that whole idea of, in particular, what I re- really resonate is like there's only a certain amount of jobs available and actually thinking how can you broaden yourself as an individual so that you're not only working on something that you're passionate about but you're creating a lifestyle that actually enables you to enjoy that life. Um, so I think that's really powerful. Um, so one thing I want to make sure that our listeners also tune into, obviously learning about the power of followers and connections. Mike, if people want to read more of your work, where can they find you? What's your handle? Give us the plug. Um, yeah. So again, talking to Medium for the nth time, um, medium.com and uh, it's forward slash Michael York. I think there's a hyphen in there. Um, York with an E. York with an E. Yeah. So so check that out. Um, don't follow me on Instagram yet, please. <laughs> Amazing. So for those of us who are listening, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. Really get a bit inspired around sharing something that you value and you know about. And to make sure that if you've got that, just have a go. Write a piece of work. Use some of the principles that we've spoken about. Check out a platform like Medium and just share. You can share under a pseudonym, you know, if you're not comfortable sharing for yourself. But it's part of like what we want from our community is try something new, try something different and see if it works for you. So Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's definitely been one of our longer ones, but I think it's important to unpack and, you know, reading and writing takes time. So this naturally needed to be a bit longer for us, for our listeners to really dive into these concepts. Um, For those of you who are listening, if you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you'd like, share and subscribe. Give us that five-star review on iTunes in particular. We'd really appreciate it. Um, And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.